but I'm not a very forgiving character either, so I don't really... I did peace and conflict studies in college, and it was a real bummer for me because it made me, like, less peaceful. Hi. Hello. I'm your master of mediocrity, Erin. And I'm your lieutenant of literature, Jessica. Today we are featuring a writer because there's one thing we like to do. It's read. Well, I guess it's also like feature people in the comics industry who maybe have she, her, hers pronouns. Maybe non-binary. Maybe they, them. Maybe he, him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we're here to tell you about people who like exist. (laughs) That's it. That's the tagline. Talking about people who exist. (sighs) I don't. I was going to say, like, people you might not know, but the person I we're talking about today is super well-known. So how about I just start my little spiel? Yeah, give me your spiel. Okay. I want to hear it. Take me to school. Give me your spiel. How does one capture the beauty and wonder of Gail Simone? Our current fun cousin of comics, she's just smart, full of antics, and will probably leave you starstruck for how she moves through your life with humor and charm. I mean, I don't actually know that about her, but I am totally basing this entirely on her Twitter presence. And I just absolutely love her Twitter presence. Gail Simone is also an enigma. I think she's a bit of a private person, and I respect that. Sounds like she doesn't want to go around in her community and life known as the Wonder Woman woman, but she is beloved by those around her, having a massive readership, been responsible for incredibly important IPs and characters, and has a magic porch upon which gifts and treasures from companies and board games and fans just appear. Frankly, that's pretty freaking cool, right? Like, she grew up in Oregon, I want to say, and was a hairdresser who studied theater. And all of a sudden, she's writing The Simpsons, Deadpool, Birds of Prey, Action Comics, Red Sonja, Wonder Woman, Batgirl New 52, and so many more titles. She's even written episodes for our favorite comics-related animated series. She is certainly one of the most influential women in comics. She came to the attention of the masses through a variety of ways, though for many it was through the blog Women in Refrigerators, a journey through how women are represented in comics, either as overly sexualized creatures or just plot devices who are dismembered and shoved into a fridge as impetus for the male main character's painful journey through lonely herodom as what literally happened in Green Lantern number 54. Frankly, it's important research. We gotta talk about it. Gotta pause for a second so you can feel the weight. We gotta talk about it. Gotta. But all is not as it seems with this hilarious, adored woman. Oh no, she has some skeletons in her closet. Did you know that people think she's a bear in a human disguise? I don't know about you, but I've never seen her in a bear in one place. I'm just saying. Whatever the case may be, it's kind of hard to capture, I think, who she is in an accurate way. In a pithy 15-minute summary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest more than anything, like... Her Wikipedia article didn't have a lot about, like, her begin times. It was all about, like, her career is kind of distressingly short. But I also respect that about her. From what I've seen from just on Twitter, she's a hilarious woman who loves messing with people in both friendly and non-friendly ways. She knows. She walks a very nice line of appropriate and inappropriate 
she gets quite a few trending little hashtags going, which doesn't speak much and certainly detracts from the massive amount of comics that she's written. But I think that is just a reflection of the comedy, the wit, the skill that she has to garner so much engagement and to get so many people involved with her works. She's just talented. I don't want to say kind because I don't know her and I don't want to give any delusions to her character, but she's got a lot of skills. She's got a lot of talent and I think she's worked very, very hard to be funny and succinct and to capture a lot of experiences in the comic format. She has a very broad, very broad bibliography. I wanted to say she's a very broad broad, but that's not what you were going for. (laughs) She's very broad presence, but broad broads just seem more fun. We could say broad broad. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that kind of captures some of her. It's it's like, you know, I, I would like to see kind of a breakdown of her development professionally and maybe education-wise, if she ever has a memoir later or that kind of research following, but... Yeah, it just does, like, a really complex interview that, like, like you know, like a, yeah. like a 60-minute style where she's just like, oh, yeah. no, Lay you remember that thing? on the line, yeah. You remember that thing inside the actor's studio? Oh, I fucking love that show. Mm. I loved that show. But I want that for our favorite comic mamas and aunties and cousins. I want it. Somebody do an inside the actor studio, but for comic artists. We could do that for season three. Actually, <laughs> season three. Um, I'm not at all as skilled as the the host. Of, what was his name? Was it James May? I don't know. No, that's not it. That's a British guy. Um, James Lipton. Yes. There's no way that we, James like Lipton. any, I mean, yeah, like he's, he's a legend. So I don't know. I mean, actually there is a podcast with a series of interviews with a variety of artists and writers called titular characters they have a twitter presence they have a presence on Podchaser and apple pods i believe yeah but ava webb the hostess for titular characters has interviewed such people as jenna wright joe glass glenn head eric palicki so she's definitely reached out and engaged with a lot of people and gotten a lot of perspectives on the comic industry. So I don't, that might be close. That might be close to what you're looking for. I'll have to look her up. I feel like I follow her on Twitter, but I have not engaged with Ava Webb probably. Yet, so. yeah, yeah. yeah, that's exciting. But- and, and now I'm also excited because I'm going to go figure out where I can stream inside the actor's studio. Boom, there baby. There you go. But as we have started doing for these episodes... I research, you read. Woohoo! What did you read by Gail Simone? Listen, I cannot endure highly canonized materials, but there are a couple of exceptions. Usually they are centered around video games. <laughs> hey. So if I'm going to do a highly canonized piece of art, it's going to be something about The Legend of Zelda or Tomb Raider. <laughs> Because I used to be how I introduced myself in college. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would answer, Laura Croft. And I was serious. Oh my God. But like not in the way that people thought. Because I did take Arabic and I did want to be the person in the white van who did super spy type things. Kind of like Laura Croft, but without the money. Anyway, so I read Kale Simone's run of Laura Croft Tomb Raider, which I had actually compiled throughout my entire history with Doctora, actually, because it started coming out pretty, eh, eh, 
pretty close to when I started buying comics and never read because I had never actually played the video game <laughs> that this is <laughs> spanning off of. <laughs> but then I finally did, actually. And I didn't realize I had until I started reading this this time. It didn't occur to me that I had actually engaged with this media. And I think maybe the new Tomb Raider movie was based off of that revamped arc. But I did play the first. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Impertinence to Gail Simone. <laughs> except for that she probably also did a lot of research for that. Because... I don't know how one does a comic book for video game without playing said video game. So I would be very interested to see, like, hey, Gail, do you do you game? Like, are you a gamer? Because that's cool. Let's talk about playing Tomb Raider. Do you also get nauseous after a couple of hours and have to put it down? This is why we need to do inside the comic studio. And that's the type <laughs> of questions do. you'll ask. Like, do you also get motion sick? Please tell me you get motion sick. I need to relate to you. Over mutual motion sickness. I need humanity from you, Gail. Right now you are too high. We have to see we have to see the woman behind the the Twitter president. not actually Right now you're just a bear in a lady suit. I don't know. (laughs) I don't understand. How are you, Gail? So I read volume one and then half of volume two in preparation for this, trying to just get a feel for her uh, writing style. Because like I said, I've avoided a lot of Gail's projects because she has been she has that star story of like zero to 75 where she's like not doing anything she's doing hair and then she's fucking writing all of the the highest named things for the big two like the top two not even image but like the top two and you're like what (laughs) and two raiders a dark horse comic so still within the top two but you know is approachable for me, which is just a long way to say I read it and it was really good. Um, I really liked the way that the art sort of conveyed some of the actions of the game. So I thought that was kind of clever. But in terms of a storyline, Gail focuses a lot. And there's another scriptwriter who I can't name off the top of my head, but they focus a lot on Laura's acceptance of her new badassery because in the basically the restarted canon laura croft goes straight out of college and she has a bff in college that is like bold and fun and she's a filmmaker so laura croft heiress drags along this american filmmaker to actually asian american filmmaker but i mean like just commenting to show diversity because there's a maori member of the endurance crew as well so like it in the revamp, it became, like, her tits got smaller, her background got to be a little bit more rooted in she's a college student and is an heiress, but isn't, like, living in the mansion a la Angelina Jolie, even though I still stand. Mm-hmm. We stand. I still stand. I can't help it. That's how I am. I'm 90s trash. Fight me. Anyway, that's the only reason that I'm going to be engaging with Marvel's Phase 5 is because they've pulled the Angelina Jolie nuclear option in the Eternals, so now I gotta figure out the fucking Eternal is. <laughs> watch Once the movie, again, that'll help us figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll watch the movie, and then that'll explain to me what the Eternals are, right? <laughs> Piss off Comics Gate. Just watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story of my life when it comes to highly canonized pieces. But because they established her background as being very not 
combative. She doesn't have a lot of combat training. Um, she has hunting training. She's a rock climber, and that's sort of the, the her status as a rock climber is sort of how they build all of her action in the games. So in the comic run, the first comic run, you're seeing her kind of clean up a mess from that last comic book, and it kind of sets her on this other hero's quest that I guess is supposed to like end her up at the beginning of the next game, which is a really interesting thing that I always find fun. And I know a lot of authors whose podcasts I follow and have listened to too many hours of talk about how creativity is bred by constriction. So like when they have complex assignments where they are supposed to fit into games and canon that are pre-established that sometimes that is some of their best work because they have done the most their most creative writing for that piece. So I feel like it's a really good showing of her for that reason, even though it's probably not what a lot of people love and engage with, because she is working under constraints, she is working as part of a team, and so therefore you get to see sort of her best foot forward in terms of her craft. And I don't know, that's just a weird thing that I got from listening to a lot of writing excuses. Anyway, so <laughs> in this, she is back in London in a flat that she shares with her BFF, who also went on this quest with her this you know like journey this misadventure with her and then there's a couple of other people who survived and she gets contacted by one of those people finds out that they took artifacts from that cursed island and uh kind of throws her into trying to avoid this new secret group that worshipped the bad guys who worshipped the sun goddess so they were like we don't want to resurrect the sun goddess we want to resurrect the solari who worship the sun goddess you killed the the head bad guy is in there and um you see her sort of like yeah i'm gonna kill a lot of you because somehow for some reason little prissy pratt privileged british lady became very good at killing so one of these days i'm going to look at that a little bit closer but for now i'm just going to protect myself and the people who went on this this journey with me and continue to try to keep their family safe because one of the women has a daughter you see those two women get a little closer uh when they were pretty standoffish before about a man so it didn't uh, that tension didn't pass the Becknell test but it's fine uh, it's Tomb Raider they they were working from a real low bar which is pretty lady big tits two guns like so the game did a lot of footwork the comic does even more footwork there's some pretty fun interactions between these characters where like sex isn't really a thing that's explained but there is like love that she shares with her crewmates the maori man in particular like is seen kissing her forehead but it's not sexualized it's more like a friendship situation which is really nice because of laura croft's history of being so overly sexualized you don't get that in the comic and um you really get to see i think a little bit of how gail does character work over time which is fun for me because i wasn't able to the only attempt that i made at a gail product that was pitched to me as a Gale product that you might like because you're a girl and this is bad girl um I hated so I didn't and mm. it wasn't it wasn't like because I didn't like her writing it was because I hated the premise of it like I was at a point in my life where I didn't I didn't relate to or want to engage with a costumed hero taking selfies as like a college girl because I was like losing my status as a college girl due to aging out and was really hitting a different like identity with not a good stride at all. Like I was falling face first into whatever I was getting shoved into and was not real happy or 
respectful or loving to anyone younger than me who presented as female <laughs> because I was not, mm. um, you know, like that old hatred of high school girl things kind of bled into college girl things and high school girl things. And like, how dare anyone enjoy this more than I hate, you know, I did because I hated everything so much. So what was I talking about? Oh, I didn't, I didn't like bad girl. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of an interesting, strange comic to choose because I feel like you don't get a lot of Gail's voice, but I find, okay, so here's the thing. I've been real gosh dang spoiled in this podcast because we deal with a lot, like a startling amount of original characters. I don't think, I, I think most of what we engage with are original characters by artists and authors. So I haven't even thought of it in that sense, but you're right. What we get to engage with and comment on are some of their most personal things. And Gail doesn't have a lot, like the, the things off the top of my head, they're all canon characters that I don't know how much I can contribute to Gail and how much I can contribute to her constraints in writing. And I feel like that's wonderful because it it's how a lot of these big name comic bros got like obviously there's prestige and there's power in being able to take those titles and impress upon them whatever part comes from you but I can't parse that out myself because of my you know like I can tell if I like it if it stuck if it worked if the plot was good but I, I feel more intimidated by talking about her as a personality because of her twitter presence and general belovedness status than I do about her writing because her writing is mired by so many constraints you know what I'm saying like it's kind of an interesting artist you picked because I was like I don't know about her as a person and she is like a ghostwriter for all of these canon things and there's like if you are good at reading canon does she what is it clean room clean room okay I'm gonna I'm gonna research that for the future because whenever I googled it like the thing that the prestige items came up right which are all canon items for fucking some reason I hate anyway yep I hate it yeah (laughs) but I know you've read a lot of her stuff outside of this so like I I'm kind of interested actually how you felt oh you haven't no I've only read her Batman new 52 run Batgirl, New 52. Like, that's it. Oh, so the thing that I didn't um, like. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell and... me what happened in it? Did, did it evolve in a way that sure. I might have liked later? I finished her run. I didn't read all of it because I believe it changed authors at one point. So how did I feel about Batgirl? I liked Gail Simone's writing. It was funny. It had good pacing. I thought the... Internal conversations were not overbearingly like monologues. Her writing Batgirl, I enjoyed. I don't have anything else to compare it to because it's not like I've read a shit ton of Batgirl. But I did like feeling that I was reading less of a monologue and more of a process in picking up on plot points and things. She had villains who were also more, I don't want to say relatable, but it just felt different. Like her villains felt different. I think they were the same kind of DC villains as usual. She hit on different 
defining traumas, though, than other authors might, or other villains have, or even other heroes have. And I don't know what about it felt like if there was a specific technique she used or if there was a specific language pattern she used, but something felt slightly different in her writing of it. Now, what did I think of the plot? (laughs) (laughs) That's a different story. Superheroes have a lot of great arcs and I kind of viewed it as just a series of arcs and I I tried to consume it in just kind of small chunks rather than as a massive thing because I kind of feel that one of the reasons I struggle with superhero stories is that they don't have an ending Mm -hmm. and they always have different I don't really care about the beginnings but what is it that somebody said it's always like you're in act two when reading superheroes like they're always developing and growing and stubbornly not progressing into the next stage of their character development you know yeah you can't progress Bruce Wayne to an end when you're wanting to keep Bruce Wayne as the title character for 50 fucking years or more (laughs) and not to be judgmental but I felt like that was the case with the Batgirl story that it just there was growth that Babs went through and there were complications that Babs experienced but it didn't feel like we were going to come to an end or mm-hmm. like I don't know I didn't dislike it I just yeah it's not our I don't know it's not what we usually just like, my genre right yeah, yeah. and yeah. I feel like that girls and Robins and stuff have a little bit more leeway to have those endings but I don't think that Gail was probably given that opportunity I feel like that was not well and you know, when you do that, you run the risk of losing that character. There's so many side characters that are representative that have, you know, we've lost because we've lost their titles. They don't have their own story arcs right now, but it kind of makes you wonder what those story arcs are worth if there isn't any, like, completion. Resolution? I don't know. The whole, yeah. Resolution, completion, yeah. Act three, like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's not my genre either. But it's interesting that so much of what you're talking about is like the funny way that she writes because I didn't get a lot of comedy out of the Laura Croft. It was more action-centered. So it makes me want to read Clean Room more so now than ever. And I, I suggest, I know that our next comic is not this, but I suggest that we put a pin in Gail and we go, okay, Gail, we've, we've read it. We've talked about it. We know about you now, but we're going to read Clean Room and come back and try to figure out, like, crack this egg. Like, what was your voice and what was the constraints that you found yourself in being in such a high-prestige job dealing with these characters that you're not allowed to do anything particularly interesting to? <laughs> like, you can't exactly hurt Babs in a way that is interesting or you can't make her grow or you can't give her something that's interesting without it getting signed off on by the execs, obviously. There's probably some guru guy in the background who's like this is the this is her lane if you get her out of the lane i'm gonna have to pull you off the project you know yeah she actually had a really interesting character like characterization before the new 52 run she was oracle Mm -hmm. i remember that yeah and they decided to change it for the new 52 and stuff so i i don't know (laughs) i i think you're right that they just 
it was just one of those things that they wanted to just recycle it and see what they could do again. And it, I think a lot of people with the New 52 run for Batgirl had issues with the fact that they changed her from Oracle back to Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of set a bad taste in people's mouth anyway. I understand. Yeah. I was also involved with that or influenced by that whenever I was justifying to myself that I didn't like this teeny bopper character or this teeny bopper characterization right? Like, she went from a middle-aged woman, or a younger, you know, but also, like, established characterization to a younger version of herself. It's always, I don't know, it feels a little bit kind of pulling on the female aspect of it. And again, I noped out. I think I might have read the whole thing, but, like, didn't care enough to remember what happened in the book. But, I don't know, I'm at a place in my life where I'm trying to lean into, I think I texted you, you this before, I'm trying to lean into hag energy, because there's something empowering about age in women, where we can start to sort of like distance ourselves from the bullshit perspective that we weren't old enough or mature, you know, protected from growing up, you know, characterizations of, you know, thin is better and all of that stuff, you know, like your shelf life ends at 25, you know, things like that. And, you know, I'm trying to like, distance myself as quickly as possible from that in probably a crunchy middle-aged crisis sort of way but who cares it's my (laughs) journey Erin I'm going to embrace it I'm not here to judge and when you when you reset characters like that it hits different with the woman character who's been through trauma who's found new growth new power she was in a wheelchair she was a disabled woman who still found a way to use her tools and her gifts and her powers to implement great good on a hero scale, you know, like, and so to lose that yeah. and deva, you know, get demoted back into, I'm still figuring out my maiden energy, you know, like it's very, yeah, it's very, it hits different than like, okay, middle-aged drunk Peter Parker goes back to the best time in his life, Peter Pan syndrome over and over again. You know, like it, it's a very different hit to it because they can go through that cycle. It's like she lost and, all of and, that character development. Yeah, lost all of her power. Because I feel like the power comes from development of character in women, whereas like you don't have that same weight to a lot of male character arcs. You know, like their, their power sometimes comes from it. Like a lot of Batman characterizations, I don't know, later in life... For instance, Old Man Logan for, you know, like these characters who are aged, they have that sort of weight of their years, but it's usually in like a weird Vietnam veteran-y kind of way. It doesn't hit the same as like their, their credibility, maybe? Like how much it matters a lot to a female character in the eyes of the public or in the eyes of the reader because of the way that it matters a lot in social standing in real life. So I don't know where I'm going with that other than it doesn't feel good to see women aged younger in series like this. It doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. No, I, Maybe I it's think a I get it. Lingering distaste of teenagers, but <laughs> I I understand and part of that did come out in the New 52, like her struggles with that change in her identity and what that meant. They didn't really go in depth in it. I if I remember correctly, so I don't think they wanted to comment on it in any kind of canon way. I did like that they made her, her more of a uh, kind of explosive, angry, like a little bit out of control because she's kind of disillusioned with things. But I don't know if I hold that against Gail or not. Mm-hmm. I'm I, choosing to not the whole decision to bring her back as Batgirl. Probably just a decision that execs made you know uh, there was a lot of drama with the new 52 <laughs> i remember comics, it was one so of the most really hated, hard 
and vilifying yeah. who starts. Yeah. Everything in my office is vibrating right now. This is really like overwhelming for me. Um, <laughs> You've been very stimulated. Anyway, yes. today you had such so many long conversations and I wouldn't let you stop talking about women's issues, quote unquote. Quote unquote. Um, it's actually <laughs> hilarious. At 3 p.m. today, uh, this day that we're recording, I had a committee meeting to talk about how my agency wants to move forward with graduating people from services and how we can make it kind of this positive celebration rather than it being like we're closing your case kind of shit. Immediately following that, you know, I got home, hung out with the kitten for a little bit. Then I got that phone call from from my friend at like 4.30. I was like, all right. And I hadn't talked to her in forever. So it was very, very nice hearing from her. A lot of things are going on in her world. And I'm glad that she still knows that I'm somebody she can call to talk to. That conversation went on for an hour. And then we jumped into our recording session like right afterwards and had a really good conversation about death of the author and kind of some of the uh, ripple effects of that. And now we're talking about Batgirl and I am, I'm going to let you know, uh, my tank is going to empty. I mean, same. It's It's been a long week. It has been a long week for both of us for very different reasons, I feel. Yeah. Ugh. Woof. But I still stand by my suggestion. Clean Room has been on my reading list for like years. And for some reason, I've either just not been able to find it or haven't looked very hard. It's probably the latter, the little bit of the first. So I 100% will jump into adding this to our list and us coming back and exploring her voice and her works that are not tied to canon or extensive histories for a character for video yeah. games yeah so. even though i feel like the reason i chose that is because i was going to be more able to figure out where her voice was coming from <laughs> i don't know that i succeeded oh. though because of the yeah. way that yours is so different like drastically different and people are allowed to write different genres and people are allowed to have different tones that they enjoy and, and deploy but it's yeah. like you know it, and i've i'm left with more questions than i have answers for now like i know She's funny. I know she's actually and I a think bear it's okay. and a woman. Yeah. And I want to explore her further, which is probably maybe kind of part of what we're going for here is just trying to, Yes, I don't know. I think it really speaks to her talents, though, because she wrote Deadpool. And Deadpool is known for its kind of comedic, violent take. And then she's written Tomb Raider, which is action. Batgirl, which still kind of falls into that action character, but like not as dark or edgy or funny as Deadpool. And then Clean Room is a horror. She's read, she's written Red Sonia, Wonder Woman. Like she has written The Simpsons, which is just going to be straight comedy though. I think she did a lot for the Treehouse of Horror specials. So her, mm-hmm. she has a range of tones and I really think that speaks to her skills that she's developed or even just whatever inherent talent she had that she can give this plethora of genres and reading experiences for us. I'd love to explore Clean Room. Again, it is a horror. And for some reason, horror comics are like my gig. I don't freaking know. Yeah, let's do this shit. But her ability to navigate those different tones, I think just really speaks to her and her skills. That's my summary. Well, I feel like that's a good, I mean, like this might be short, but you know what? Short and sweet, hopefully. We leave you with a good taste in your mouth for Gail because- she leaves us with a good feeling in our soul on Twitter. And I feel like her comics 
are just so varied that she's still an enigma. Like you said in your preface, she's a, yeah. she is an enigma wrapped in a woman wrapped in a bear suit or a bear wrapped in yeah. a woman suit wrapped in an enigma. She's an enigma. That's what she is. She's an enigma wrapped in a bear that's wrapped in a woman's suit. That's it. There's One the, could argue the that it, she's a well-rounded human be- being, but like we know that that's not true. I don't know. Maybe she's just an average that? bear. Just an average bear who's got more skills than a well-rounded woman. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that either. We'll we'll just say that. I don't need. Yeah, she's a broad we'll broad. That. <laughs> yeah, she's a broad broad. I dig it. I dig it too. Thank you for making me talk about her I because like I was I was kind of a, it was in an avoidance mode because canon. So in my defense, your honor, don't be intimidated. Canon scares me. I mean, same. It's not like we know any of it, so we're gonna get it wrong. But we should always next time we do something that has like an extensive canon. So if we read a Capes book or something, or uh, whatever, we should just like watch one of the movies. <laughs> associated with that and be like so this one movie is our canon and just really have that be the theme i I love that idea because of how drastically terribly different current runs are from the mcu and the dcu that makes me so happy in in premise i I feel like that is we should do that never mind the really bad movies that came out decades ago whoa (sighs) Was that Thunder? Yeah, that was Thunder. Oh, just never mind those, except for maybe we should do this with Green Lantern. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, yes, yes. Yeah. So thank you for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed. And we will be pursuing Gail further in the future. And uh, if you want to follow Gail or us, find us on Twitter at Girls Talk Comics Podcast. I'm pretty sure we follow Gail, but I don't know. Do you know her handle off the top of your head? It's just at Gail Simone. Hit her up at, at Gail Simone. and. If you like what we do here, consider leaving us a like or a comment on comment on any of the things. We have link trees available all over and you can Google us at Girls Talk Comics Podcast and you can find us there or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or, you know, all of the things. All of the things will lead you back to the one tree, the link tree. Or Rome. Yeah. Is Rome the link tree? <laughs> No, all roads lead to Rome. I, I where know. I was I, going. I, I knew that. I was just. Now I got it. I got it. I'm. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Get into character. Da, 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 you know. Da, da. This is gonna be a monster to edit because I just looked at our. Zencaster, and we've been yes. talking for 51 minutes. Oh, no. At least you know at, like, roughly minute 49 is when you need to start listening for the clap. Keep in mind, I tried redirecting you, like, twice. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not blaming you for the fact that I wouldn't stop talking about the thing. That shall not be named. I love you dearly. This is why we're a really good team for this, though. Because <laughs> we... If... If we didn't love our listeners, we could easily have episodes that ranged from 20 minutes to four and a half hours based on the conversations that we have. I will never ask somebody to sit through four and a half hours of us rambling, you know, like, (laughs) no, but at least we try to be concise, right? We're we're like, 
Yeah. yeah. Because you we're and I have had some conversations mostly. where we're just like, we're going to fucking go. There's so many things we can make. And then we're like, yeah, we're talking about a comic book. <laughs> like maybe we should go back <laughs> to comics. And it's like, but no comics made us think of this and we need to talk about it. And we're like, no fucking chill. Like some people just yeah. read the picture books because they're pretty. You're like, no, oh, they're so pretty. And we're like, yeah. They are anyway. pretty though. They like are my pretty. redemption episode with with monstrous. I, I still my high point in my career is getting monstrous redeemed in your eyes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay, here's another thing that's super pretty and a little bit off topic for the episode. And by a little bit, I mean yeah. like really off topic. I've been reading okay. Nuclear Family, which is written by Stephanie Phillips, uh, drawn by Tony Shastein, and colored by J.D. Mettler. There is one panel and I've been staring at it through most of our conversation because like that was the page I got to. And so I've just been leaving it open. One, one of these guys look kind of looks like Mitch McConnell from the side. So he looks like an old turtle man. Uh, but <laughs> two, this guy is in like a protective hazmat suit kind of thing. And it's baggy and bunching and, you know, very unattractive fabric in the sense that it's not form-fitting at all the character is standing in it and I'm just I've been staring at the shadows and the folds and the way it's like bunching under the dude's butt like it just looks I'm like god this person was like I am dedicated to the shading of this this one panel this one costume and I've just been so impressed by how shading can add such texture and almost noise to it because i i see it and i'm just like i'm just imagining this disgusting crinkling sound you know oh yeah it moves because it just doesn't fit in like that discomfort that comes from wearing clothes that are too big like i just i'm looking at that and i'm just seeing it and it's all because of the shadows and yeah comics are freaking beautiful this is why i don't write reviews because like if i wrote a review somebody would give me a book and i'd be like so this is the overall theme but this one panel really stuck out because of xyz and they'd be like that like thank you but that doesn't really say anything (laughs) that doesn't help me but i appreciate the feedback Oh my god, stop vibrating! Ugh!